Hello and welcome to Secrets of Organ Playing podcast. This is a show dedicated to helping you become a better organist. We're your hosts, Vidas Pinkavichus and Usham Motuzaita Pinkavichina. We have over 25 years of experience of playing the organ. And we've been teaching thousands of organists online from 89 countries since 2011. So now let's jump in and get started with the podcast for today. We hope you'll enjoy it. Hi guys, this is Vidas. And Usha. Let's start episode 641 of Secrets of Organ Playing podcast. This question was sent by John. And he writes, Dear Usha, thanks so much for this superb recital. Sorry, I couldn't join it live. I've been very busy traveling and catching up with family. COVID restrictions are returning in Australia, so I am cherishing every moment with family. Well done on the Bach. It sounded great. Your articulation was so clear. How do you decide on a tempo for these preludes and fugues? Do we have any historical indications or is it more based on how it sounds in the acoustic you play in? And please thank Vidas from me for his lovely contributions also. I am so lucky to know you both as friends and my teacher. You are so inspirational. Happy New Year to you and your family. Please stay safe and well. Take care, John. Osha, please give me uh, John's thanks. I give you John's thanks. Thank you. And now over to you. Entire question is dedicated to you. I'm yes, as it's so such a rare case. Yes, I'm free now. I can I can relax and um, sleep a little. Well, let me just you know lighten you a little bit on this John's question. Actually, this was his response to our last Christmas recital where we both actually performed solo pieces and also we both performed duet, uh, entire quartet by Joseph Hein. So if you haven't listened, it, you can find it on my channel, on my YouTube channel. And uh, since not, I'm, I wasn't alone who played Bach. I did the G major prelude and fugue, 541. And Vidas did the C major toccata, but it's not an original C major toccata. It's actually original E major toccata, only transposed by Bach himself into the C major key. And so Vidas did the C major toccata, which is actually E major toccata. <laughs> so the tempo issue is a question for us both. So how do you take a tempo when you are working on the Bach's fugues and preludes? Hey, it's not fair. You're deflecting John's question. Uh, <laughs> he asked you first. Well, okay. Then I, I may start about what I think in general about, about taking tempo. I think every person has different tempo for every piece that he or she plays. And I don't think there is one correct answer to how to pick up the right tempo because I don't think there is even um, such a thing as a right tempo or a wrong tempo. I think for each person a different tempo is a right one. Because 
I like to tem- to take such a to pick up such a tempo that I would still be in control of a piece. Because very often when people, you know, want just to play faster, we lose the control of what is going on. And this is especially true with, you know, virtuosic pieces by G.S. Bach. And I have heard, you know, a recording of Kopman's. Ton Kopman. Ton Kopman, yes, you know, of the same piece, Jimmy Jim Prelude and Fuke, and it was way way much faster comparing to the my recording and it was fine he plays everything really really fast too fast for my taste for example but you know who i am to criticize tom kopman who is you know one of the top 10 performers of baroque music in the world and uh, well how i choose tempo i choose it according to acoustics according to the instrument that i'm playing on because for example on our hauptwerk setup we have truly soft keyboard it's really really very very soft and simply i very often cannot pick up you know the faster tempo or as fast as i would like to it to be because the keyboard gives me no resistance and I and if I would play it even on the faster tempo it it simply would just collapse and because I still want to have an articulation. So I have to sort of sacrifice a little bit on the tempo. You're right. Um, our Hauptwerk setup is is, um, uh, is quite, um, quite customized, right? And uh, I bought those keyboards, Nectar keyboards, they're extremely light touch. Um, the the real benefit is of course affordability of the price they cost very little in comparison to let's say tracker action keyboards so but of course we lose uh, the mechanical touch uh, but obviously it's like with car you won't uh, you wouldn't um, often buy a first car for yourself uh, you know like a luxury car or the best car you you could buy you know you try it out on the on the cheaper side you know more economic side and then if if you still continue to drive and you like uh, luxury then you might invest in something more more comfortable the same is with Hauptwerk I, I believe we will invest into real mechanical touch tracker t- action keyboards late, uh, on a later date. Yes, and uh, of course, when you know choosing the tempo, you also need to listen to the acoustics. It's so important. For example, uh, Vida's mom just sent us uh, our uh, older recording from 2017. I will publish it on my YouTube channel pretty soon. It was an uh, arrangement that we just made uh, out of J.S. Uh, Bach's toca- um, cantata Einfesteburg. And I already forgot, have forgotten that we have performed it there. And she was present and basically she recorded it from downstairs. And I was just simply, you know, 
surprised that I forgot how big the acoustics are at St. John's because, you know, I used to play upstairs and listen to Vidas playing upstairs and I'm always upstairs. And now I could listen to our duet from from downstairs where Vidas' mom has recorded us. And acoustics was just so much larger than what we hear while being upstairs at the balcony. Mm-hmm. Very true. We could hear uh, two hours playing like like through listeners' ears. Yes, and you know, I always articulated a lot, actually. And um, while listening it from downstairs, I could barely hear it. Of course, it wasn't like all the legato, but 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 I think I could have articulated even much more. But you know the point f- about articulation. It's a different topic of topic, of course. But uh, the point is not to articulate, but the point is to cl- to play clearly, uh, clearly for listeners, not for yourself. So when you listen to this recording from downstairs, was it really unclear? No, it, it was fine. Yeah, it was it still was fine. fine. I, th- I think uh, we managed to listen to the echo as well to what we were hearing upstairs. Yes, but as you said, that articulation is not relate- related with picking up the tempo. I think you are not not right. I didn't say that. You said that we are talking about different topic, and I think that articulation and tempo, picking up a tempo is very much connected. Oh, okay. But it's a wider topic on articulation, so it's probably not... Not only for this podcast episode, that's what I meant. So, obviously, it's good to consider your acoustics and your instrument, what kind of instrument you have when you choose the, the tempo. And, uh, and of course, you could choose a different tempo tomorrow if you're comfortable with that. Don't you think? Sure. Uh, I think in the future when I will performing it, for example, at St. John's, I will play it faster yeah it's a different instrument mechanical touch you are much more in control and uh, you can do many more things yes but you know the tempo is often the topic that you know rouses lots of discussions and uh, i think after hearing discussions by professional i i am left with more questions than answers because you would need to hear how people discuss, for example, how to play the, the fugue in E-flat major by G.S. Bach, you know, and how to pick up the right tempo, and if you have to keep the same tempo through all the three fugues, or you change it, you know, while going from one fugue to another one, and, you know, people start to discuss it, and we have different opinions, and basically we, we start to argue... <laughs> And there is, I think, no one right answer because uh, we actually don't have very strongly proved historical evidence about what the right tempo should be in a given piece. It's because uh, in in Bach's days, those metronomes didn't exist, modern metronomes at least. So what we have now, uh, even additions with metronome markings, those were written in later. Uh, and uh, they were subjective things. 
based on editors' opinions. Um, and today, of course, with online music streaming, you can get hundred or a thousand different recordings on on the same piece, and you can compare and choose and uh, discover your favorites or least favorites, right this way, and um, this puts uh, performing in in a very unfortunate position because you're being judged, you know, against against a uh, hundred other recordings. Remember you were playing uh, Littles by Alain and uh, how you you were actually... Um, how you were... Um, not I wouldn't say scared, but uh, basically distracted with the uh, recording of uh, Marie-Claire Alain right she plays it very fast and uh, comments around her recordings are 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 extremely positive and when you post something uh, on the same theme like litanies people who know this piece always compare your recording to Marie Claire Land's recording and you can compare yourself to a Marie Claire Land, right? And you say, oh, no, I played it in five minutes instead of four minutes, you see? Yes, but, you know, about this <laughs> this, this recording and, you know, and about others, I listened to Olivier Latrice's recording mm -hmm. at um, Notre Dame de Paris. And I read people's comments. Of course, many of them were very positive, but, you know, I read such a nonsense is basically that, uh, well, look, he is playing from the score. He haven't memorized it. Look, he is using the um, assistant, you know, to, to do all that kind of stuff, you know, to help him. And also there were constant complaints about, you know, comparing him to Marie-Claire Lenn. And you know, I just love this recording so much. I think it's it's really musical. It's very well done. It's actually if I would have to choose between Marie Claire Lenn and you no know, Olivia Latrice's performance of this piece, I would probably choose you no know, Olivia Latrice's performance because musically it was more convincing to me. Because it's just my opinion, you know, you can have other opinions. And after uh, reading all these comments, I just felt so good, you know, that that <laughs> people, you know, criticize Olivier Latry, but, you no, know, I just adore his performance. So, well, let them just criticize mine and, you know, do whatever. I really don't care. Everybody has, have, has, you know, its own opinion and it's okay. But usually the most severe critics cannot play themselves. That's 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 almost a rule, with rare exceptions. Yes, so you're so right. People who who criticize rarely, rarely take the time and effort, make the effort of learning difficult music. And even if they do, they almost never share it with other people to criticize. So they feel safe behind the screen, even behind the anonymous uh, username, let's say, of use YouTube user, you know. 
who we don't even know of, of that person real name you know so that's that's the that's the reality of social media today that you can get criticized by by armchair critics who experts so called who who listen to hundreds of thousands of recordings you know and they they think they they have the right to criticize everyone they do actually because you give them the right because you share your work and you not you're not disabling comments like some people you're not afraid uh, but uh, it doesn't mean that it's um, morally correct to to criticize even if you have technical possibility to criticize you see well so no for my critics i just say either you know i write it down or i just say in my mind well do it better yeah obviously the best response is either to ignore or just to ask for their own rendition of the same piece yes and they, when i ask you know about the rendition usually we simply disappear or they start to to come up with some excuses that they don't have keyboards that they don't have something you know but they have the time to criticize so obviously let's thank john for his great feedback yes it's so nice you know to 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 read and to know that you know people appreciate what you are doing it really gives us support and you know and and you know inspiration to go on and keep going and creating and if anybody else listening would like to support us even further you can buy us some coffee uh, you can um, uh, you can go to the to the buy me a coffee page that uh, I have set up it's uh, buymeacoffee.com slash organ duo and you can buy some coffee in return you will get obviously early access to these videos and we will get to keep going yes and if we are returning back you know to John's question about picking up a tempo I think you need to look at the particular instrument, particular acoustics, maybe, you know, record yourself from upstairs and from downstairs and then listen to yourself, how it sounds. But uh, the most important thing is that, you know, you need to be comfortable while playing, you know, the certain piece and, you know, to be able to control of what you are doing. Basically, your head needs, needs to lead you, not your fingers. Well said. So, please, guys, send us more questions. We love helping you grow. And remember, when you practice, miracles happen. This podcast is supported by Total Organist, the most comprehensive organ training program online. It has hundreds of courses, coaching, and practice materials for every area of organ playing. Thousands of instructional videos and PDFs. You will not find more value anywhere else online. Total Organist helps you to master any piece, perfect your technique, develop your sight reading skills, and improvise or compose your own music and much, much more. Sign up and begin your training today at organduo.fm.
LT and click on Total Organist. And of course you will get the first month free too. You can cancel anytime. If you like our organ music, you can also support us on Patreon and get free CDs. Find out more at patreon.com slash secrets of organ playing.